On this episode of the Theologian's Table podcast, we pick up where we left off last week, which was Tim J. explaining his theology of healing. If you like this show, feel free to rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you like the show, please don't forget to share it with your friends and family. But now let's get on to the episode. All right, so John Oliver. Yes. Uh-huh. All right, he hit on some uh, of the uh, prosperity cheese bags, and there was there was a guy who's like, they got. Uh, he profiled uh, one video of a guy saying they got mad at me because I I brought I bought a private plane with all the money that I received in my ministry, and so just to sh- just to mess with them, I bought another private plane, mm-hmm. but. And it wasn't like, it was just, uh, it wasn't, it was to spite people. Mm-hmm. Like, why why use the money from your ministry to spite your audience? Yeah. You know, so, and just to show how much money you have yeah. in, in your ministry. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that wasn't like, uh, that wasn't Hagen or, or not Hagen, uh, the other guy. That has the pilot ministry. That wasn't him. Yeah, uh, um, Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Copeland. It yeah. was just another guy. So that that's what I mean about like perverting like prosperity and, yeah. and things like that. So, yeah. um, and, and it's there. It's it's there, man. And there's right. there's people I know, but I I really do just try to. <clears throat> I don't know. I try to to not to not think about it. Not, not, that's not the right way to say it. It's not to not think about it. Um, I don't. I don't focus on it. Okay. So the your friend who emailed me some questions and all that. One of the things he was saying. One of one of his questions, which I didn't didn't get to answer, was uh, was about Costi Hinn. Right. And it was Benny Hinn's nephew or nephew, something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "What have you heard him? What do you think of him?" And I was like, "I'm not gonna listen to every every critic of of someone. Okay. I I, I don't like that. I'm sure there's a lot of critics who who could say." Who could criticize a lot of things that Jesus did? You know, there's yeah. plenty of critics when he was around. That doesn't mean everyone who is a critic is wrong, but at the same time, I'd, I'd rather focus on the truth. You know, it's, it's like they said when fraud became a real big thing in the United States, uh, currency. Uh, the team that they set up didn't hardly focus on, or excuse me, I think the way the way it was said is that the the older people in the bank knew how to spot a, spot a fraud right away. And they were older because they have dealt with the real thing for so long, they could spot it right away. And I, I think the word is the same too. I'd rather be focusing on the word of truth and be fully grounded in that so that if I hear something like that, that seems like sh- super schmucky, mm-hmm. I can be like, whoa, that doesn't feel right. That seems like some pride, you know? Not you having a plane, but yeah, some something about the flashiness and the arrogance that's like just to wait. What? No, this is all hearsay. I don't know what what happened with that, but um, I'm trying to loop it back to what we were talking about about um, being an heir. Is that how we got on this? Yeah, and, and you know we're supposed to be talking about healing too. So. No, but once again, it's kind of all connected yes. because yep. if prosperity is a part of the atonement, we we do need to understand and. and define what prosperity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's been perverted so long, most people have completely shut down. The word pros- prosperous is a dirty word in the church. And so I'm coming from the other side and saying, no, it's not. 
It's not a dirty word. It's been perverted, yes, but other than going through and saying, okay, this minister is full of it, this one's wrong, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that game. Let's just look at what the Bible says. That's probably the best thing we can do. Like, what does the Bible say about... So I want to have like a whole podcast where we talk about not just the word prosperity, but the better phrase, and that's financial stewardship. Mm -hmm. That's the phrase we need to talk about, man, because that's way bigger than uh, what prosperity is. But So we're talking about the atonement, about wanting all that God has for me, you know, wanting all of it. Um, And so if we see healing as provided in the atonement, and, and okay, so I have some scriptures about where I see it in the atonement. And I know it's it's very accepted doctrine, certainly in um, in yours, your denomination, and mine, and and others. What sort of scriptures do they use as proving that? Because I'm thinking of Isaiah 53, mm-hmm. verses right? four and five. There we go. You want to hit that real quick? Okay. While I'm looking, do you want to like what, what other what other grounded doctrine do you know offhand? Uh, as far as scripture goes or yeah as far as like they they say this is our accepted doctrine we believe healing was provided in the atonement oh yeah then they go to second peter 2 24 24 yeah yeah. and then uh a psalm that i can't place is it 108 he sent his word and healed them maybe um so there there's there's like five or six solid uh proof text that they right that they use to yeah. to hold up that uh divine healing in the atonement. Yeah. So so Isaiah 53, I kind of want to just say a couple things about mm-hmm. this. This is 53:4. Surely he has borne our griefs. I'm reading from King James now. Um but surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And that whole passage is amazing. I love that. But um, what I want to focus on is is in verse 4, is the word griefs and the words uh, um, griefs and sorrows. Griefs and sorrows. So, like I said, I pointed that I'm in King James because there's other, the other translations may use other things. So people say, I've heard people see that and say, no, 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 no. See, that's not talking about sickness and pain. That's talking about griefs and sorrows. And I was like, right, so so Christians don't have anxiety? Mm. And it's like, no, that's not true. Many do. <laughs> so is that a part of the atonement? You know, I feel like the person that was making that argument was was trying to say, no, that's not talking about healing. That's talking about, you know, uh, your your internal thoughts and all of that. And I'm like, but you don't believe that even. <laughs> so you're not letting any of the word change anything you think. And so actually, phone, gotcha. Um, this is a little bit of the research I did. I saw this already. Oh, so so the word grief is translated sicknesses. Okay, and I'll, I'll show it here, but um. And the word sorrows is translated pains. Now, it has many has many different, you know, it's not just not one word, but, um, and that would be, this, the reference is 2483, and that's coli, I think, is for uh, sicknesses, for griefs. It's referring to sicknesses, okay? So I'm going to prove that it's, that it was illustrated in the New Testament as well, this very verse. You might even know where it is. But uh, and then the word sorrows is 
uh, reference is 4341, and it's Maccab. Hope I'm saying that right. No, Maccabee? Maccabee, yeah. And that's that's um, pain. Uh-huh. So put that together. It's saying, surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. So Jesus bore our sickness and carried our pains when he was on the cross. And here's the thing. It's translated griefs correctly. I'm not saying that was wrong. I'm saying there's more than one definition for it. So it's grief and sickness and sorrows and pains. Once again, don't compartmentalize, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's not one thing. Uh, it's it's the effects of sin, okay? So if I was going to start from the beginning and talk about Genesis, the world God created was perfect. There was no sickness. There was no pain. It was sin that came into the world that destroyed everything, and then... Uh, the earth has been under that curse ever since. So we talked about uh, last time about sometimes being sick or sometimes having traumatic things is just a, a result of living in a fallen world. But Jesus came and delivered us from the curse of the law. He became a curse, so he delivered us from this curse. So he delivered us from sin and from the effects of sin. This is what Isaiah is talking about here. That sin brings sickness, sin, sin brings pain, brings heartache, it brings anxiety, it brings depression, it brings a multitude of things. Sin has brought that. So if you see Jesus has redeemed us from sin, you have to see he's redeemed us from these things too, from all of the physical oppression, which is, represents his body and his blood when we take communion. Mm-hmm. For as often as you do this, you declare the Lord's death. The effects of sin was broken. And the veil was broken, was torn in two. So anyway, uh, the fulfillment of that is in Matthew chapter 8. Where are we at? Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to start in... Uh, we'll start 14. Okay, so he, uh, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Now Jesus had come into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Um, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were, this is the whole town. They brought the whole town, brought to him many who were, uh, who were demon possessed. Number one, he cast out the spirits with a word and he healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and bore means carried away. Yeah. So. What I wanted to point to there is that you could look at Isaiah, and and I've heard this many times, you can just twist it. You can twist Scripture. But if you see the Scripture, and it's messianic, clearly messianic, but even Matthew himself says this is the fulfillment, you know, just as uh, Jesus said when he was preaching, um, every everything that I said about myself is fulfilled today in, in its hearing, referring to him being... Um, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know. So that was the fulfillment. Here Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of this. And Matthew, after he had died and rose again, he looks back and says, hey, that was the fulfillment of that scripture. He healed all who were sick. That was the fulfillment. That was it. It wasn't talking about... <coughs> Isaiah wasn't pointing necessarily to the new birth, to being born again. He wasn't referring to salvation, although that's a part of it. You know, he wasn't referring to that. He was referring to this moment when he came and healed everyone. You know, this is what he does. And so anyway, he heals everyone who were sick. Every time there was a great multitude, everyone walked away healed, you know. 
And so there are some there are some scriptures that we can talk about maybe now that are like, okay, well, why this, why that? But so those are a few. As I said, I wrote down tons more, and I probably have like close to 50 more that I didn't write down mm-hmm. referring to healing. But what we need to see is God's intentionality. What is his intentionality towards us, you know? Um, <clears throat> okay. So I, I have a, a direction to go here. I'm, are you feeling you want to go in any certain direction? Th- no. Those are just some base. Those are some base things about now, healing. No, I want to hear what you say, and then, I mean, I have some questions floating in the back room, but I want to I want to hear what you say yeah. first. So that uh, just in case those questions line up with what you're going to say. I'm so afraid you're going to hit that coffee and it's going to... Is that it's, in the... It's gone. Okay, okay good. Yeah, okay. You bumped it twice now and every time I'm like, oh God, please help us. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, like I said, I didn't write down some of this, but let's just say... Um, like I said, I want to go to this direction here, but first I want to be able to say if you do believe that that it is God's sovereign will to heal, that kind of does away with the atonement, right? If you believe that it's like God heals some but not others, then it's not really a part of the atonement. It's just whoever God wills, whenever he wills, and it seems very mysterious and, and confusing. But one scripture that kind of does away with that to me, now this is one, but there's many more. But it was the woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. God didn't heal, didn't send Jesus to her for she saw this man healing people and she believed that he was the Messiah and she had a contact point of faith. If I can just touch, he didn't even know she was there in all likelihood. He did not even know she was there, but it was her faith that healed her. Jesus said as much. Woman, your faith has healed you. But see what I mean? This isn't Jesus saying, yes, it's your will for this person, my will for this person to be healed. It's my will for this person to be healed. This woman came and just got it. Man, mm-hmm. there's something about that aggressive faith that I love so much, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if you do believe that, well, you're just saying that was her will, that was God's will for her to be healed, but she went and got it? Like, I, it doesn't compute in my mind, mm-hmm. you know? I think if it's available, go get it. If it's if it's included in the atonement, go for it. It's yours. But you have to take it by faith. You know, that does take some aggression. But what were you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> Shoot. I kept going because I wanted no, to make no, that no. point. No. I just don't want I mean, you to lose it. That's such a that's such a hard passage for me. And and the the thing with 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 faith uh in regard to healing is very hard for me to accept because uh, again I, I I keep falling back on that <coughs> that thing of you know if I'm not healed do I have enough faith mm. to be healed yeah. kind of thing yeah and so uh, that's where that's my hang up I guess sure um, it's a lot of people's hang up yeah and I I don't know if that and if it's been answered well enough sure uh, so yeah so and that's this was the direction I wanted to go in actually was was to talk about um, our part what's our part in all of this um, but you really have to establish that firm foundation of this is this in the atonement is this God's will is this his intention toward us do I have scriptures to prove that that helps you okay so one of the other 
things that I wanted to get into was about what's our part with that, and it's our agreement in that. Um, so faith is voice activated, if you think about it that way. It's voice activated, and it's in Romans 10, 9 and 10. So it's, it's believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that, that Jesus was the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So your salvation is not made just in you believing. That's a part of it. But it's you believing it, which means convincing yourself. We talk about faith as being trust. Yeah. Well, I'd like to go back to the heart is the seat of the will. Okay. And you, your will's got to be broken. Your will has to be... <clears throat> Uh, you have to surrender your will to the spirit because if we, I mean, I say this: the the spirit prompts you, it convicts you, yes, and it prompts you to say your will has not been doing you good. So surrender your will, yeah, and, and turn it to Christ. It prompts uh, repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? lost my point again Sorry. Right, what what did you say before that so that I, I can get back to my my point referring to faith come comes by hearing or no uh, no that wasn't it Wait, Romans I, 10 9 and 10 if you believe yeah. in your heart and confess with the mouth of Jesus the son of God you will be saved mm-hmm. um it's it's you believing that Jesus did this but it, it also has to be you speaking it and that's right. what solidifies salvation yeah how could and yes and so how could you not say it out loud Mm -hmm. if 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 you if your will has been broken we don't want to be say that uh that's not a negative your will being broken right uh and, and to give your will over to the author of life you know the 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 being that created you yeah give your will over to him and then you do that, how could you not proclaim uh, Jesus is Lord? Yeah. So. Yeah. And and almost a better way to say it, it feels like breaking, but uh, almost a better way to say it would be to line your will up with his will. Yeah. You know? Right. And so it's like, I, I want my will to be what his will for my life is, uh-huh. for my marriage, for my community. Yeah, it's... The way we could say it, uh, like we say in prayer, it's uh, your the ascendance of your will to His. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and John even said, "I must decrease that He must increase." This has to be our prayer. Mm-hmm. Like all the things that I want and desire, and it's all about me. That has to get small, and I think it has to get small because it is small, and it's just you have made such a big deal of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. you want, and no, that's true. I was just talking about this on Saturday, actually, about how uh, our will. Jesus used a, a great illustration of talking about seed, and yes, I'm going to get back into the parable of the sower if you can believe it. But he was talking about how uh, your will is a seed, and it's like, um, or you you were a seed, and he was even saying like when uh, uh, he said, "I have to be planted and I have to die so that I might multiply." I think your will is the same way. It's just about as small as a seed. Mm-hmm. We have these big fat magnifying glasses making it seem like our will is so important, but the truth is oh, yeah. God's will is the most important and it's actually the best. But it feels like death. You feel like your will and your plan, you have this great dream home to live in, this great plan for your life and for your marriage and for everything. And then you really have to take that to God and say, "Hey, is this okay?" 
Can I pursue this? And he might say, no, it's not. Not because he doesn't want you to have nice things, but because like you're thinking so small. I remember thinking that one time, uh, praying about it. And, and I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me like, what do you want? And I had just started the business and I was like, a truck. <laughs> I am driving in this Mazda 626, which is, you know, as I always joke, not a truck. <laughs> and I had to fold my mower sideways, uh, fold it down and turn it sideways to get it in the back seat. I looked like a real champ. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I had to swallow that uh, humility pill for years. Uh, but so that's where my mind was. I was like, Lord, I want a truck. And he told me, you're thinking way too small. And I was like, a, a big truck? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean? What am I thinking small? And then he revealed to me that uh, throughout the course of time that all I'm thinking about is like, I need a rake and a shovel and a truck and a trailer. And he's thinking, no, you're seeing your business today. I'm seeing it throughout the course of your life and and the lives that will be impacted by your business and how your business is going to free you financially and also free your time so that you can go travel the world and minister and give and and be a part of changing people's lives and your employees. And it was like, oh, so not a truck then. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking small. Uh, that's kind of how your will is. You, you think it's such a big deal, but man, it feels like death, but death is good because that's doing the works of Christ because mm-hmm. he died. So you need to die. We all need to die to our really small will because his is so much better. His is so much bigger, you know. All right, so let's. All right, I I do want to. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let let let's go back to healing because right, and that I wanted to get there. Okay, so we got there because in Romans eight nine and ten. <coughs> excuse me. Is it eight nine and ten or is it's it nine ten nine and ten? It, it's ten, eight yeah ten nine and yeah. ten. Sure. Okay, so he's talking uh, in verse eight. He's talking about um, how the word is near you in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith. Um, which we preach, that, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so the key here I want to get into in understanding healing and understanding so many things about the kingdom is that verse 10, he says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Okay, so your heart believes that God has made you righteous through the blood of Jesus. And it is with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So it, that, how big that scripture is, that it's believing and speaking. This is what Jesus talked about in Mark, that if you, uh, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, but speak to them, you know, speak to the mountain. And uh, so speaking is huge, man. So the reason I bring this up is because you need, I say you, I'm, I'm saying everyone, we need to have a really good foundation of what is ours in Christ, what is our inheritant right, inheritance right, what we're co-heirs with Christ, so what, what is mine? That's a good question to ask yourself. What really is mine? We touched on it briefly about Ephesians and understanding, hey, this is who you are now in Christ, and here's what your character looks like. And the reason this is so important, we need to convince ourselves of God's will for my life. Now, I have a different story than you do. I may have experienced tremendous rejection, and no one loved me. My father wasn't there, and I'm just making this up, but I'm saying um, someone who was uh, an orphan, you know, and poor their whole life, they may need to do some convincing that God loves them. And sometimes people have a hard time with that. 
yeah. or someone who has grown up weak and beat up and bullied their whole life, they may need some convincing in the word that God calls you courageous. You have the same nature that God has, and God is courageous and he is strong. So whatever area you're weak in, you have to convince yourself of God's will, his intention for you, uh, for you which is why I talked about the one mind says that he died for me. You need to be fully convinced that God is like unbelievably in love for you, in love with you, and he is for you and wants the best things for you, which is why meditation is such an important thing, is to take the healing scriptures and meditate, meditate on them. Have a journal and write down these questions. Well, why is this? You know, write down all and just read every single one of these scriptures and meditate on it and see yourself in it. Is this what you have? Is this your will? And begin to ask the Holy Spirit, is this what you have for me? And little by little, you are sowing seeds, just like the parable of the sower, right? You are sowing seeds into your heart of the Word of God, understanding and convincing God's heart toward you. And once you are convinced, as Paul talks about here, being convinced that you are righteous, being convinced that you are in Christ, something changes in you, and suddenly you're not just speaking word, you're speaking a power-filled rhema word, a spoken word, the same word that created the whole universe, that created the worlds, you know. This is what uh, author of Hebrews says, that we know that through this word, through this faith, the world, the worlds were created by words. So words are very important to God, but you almost have to establish it in your heart first. And when that faith is there, and when that faith is, you're like, oh, I see it. I see myself in Christ. Same as you receive salvation. I see that I'm dirty. I see that I need Jesus Christ. I've convinced myself of it. I believe in you and I speak it. I speak, you are Lord over my life. Bam, that's where salvation is. Same is true of everything in, in Christianity, in the kingdom. Um, this is how you receive everything. You convince yourself through the word, only through the word, and through fellowship with the Holy Spirit of whatever it is you are needing, lacking, or not understanding in your ignorance. You convince yourself of it, and it does take time, which is, you know, I love how God uses the analogy of the, the seed, because it doesn't need to be planted. It does need, you need to water it. You need to care for it. You need to be intentional about the word, but you will reap that harvest. But I love how he didn't use like a man-made thing, like a microwave. Obviously, there weren't microwaves back then, but uh-huh. it's not anything that you can... Um, I do believe God can super accelerate in certain areas, but the point is that it does take time and effort. And if you don't care about the Word of God, if you don't care about anything, you're not gonna re- you're not gonna reap this harvest. But if you are intentionally bringing that Word before you, keeping it in front of your eyes and speaking it, sometimes just speaking it, even if you're not fully convinced, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am loved. He gave his life for me. I am complete in him. I am his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Speaking those things, what are you doing? You're convincing yourself. You're letting your own ears hear your own voice convince yourself of something that's true. Whether you're convinced of the truth yet or not, it's true because it's in the word of God. That's about us. Um, And then when that comes, when that belief starts to be built up, yes, and then speaking it, and then faith comes and meets that confession, and I think that's where their harvest really happens. Mm-hmm. Now, this is about healing. You can put anything about this with peace, with understanding joy. If you're someone who's, uh, who's a manic depressive, has issues in your, in your chemical imbalances or whatever it is, um, what's one of the best advices I, I could give anyone is grab a concordance, 
You can borrow mine, <laughs> not you, but grab a concordance, write down everywhere where it says joy and peace and life and meditate on every one of those scriptures and speak them over yourself. Mm-hmm. He sent his word to heal them. God, I thank you for healing my mind because apparently it is broken and I need healing. So what I mean is what I'm showing is is illustrating God's intentionality and his will for us, but we have a part to play. Our part is to take this word and meditate on it. And speak it, keep it in front of us, and we will reap a harvest. And so my favorite ministers are, are those who have done that, you know, who, who operate in healing all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I understand there's, there's some cases where people struggle to, to receive healing, and, and that, that's a thing. And, and it's—I don't want, I want to say it's complex, but there are um, Yeah, things. well, I think that's—so <clears throat> I think that's the question that most critics have. Mm-hmm. Is they go hyper focus on on that issue, you know? What about what about the people who aren't getting healed? Yeah, and uh, you know, I have my questions like why why didn't God heal Paul's affliction after he asked him three times? I already know the answer to that, but uh, or do you? What is well, it? What do you think it is? It's because of those darn Greco-Romans thinking they're all hoity-toity in, in Corinth. Uh, so do you believe it was a sickness then? I don't know what it was, but I understand the point that Paul was trying to make. Okay. And, but it, it's an important point because it's about suffering. Okay. okay. And that's what I... That's what I want to know about this theology of healing. Where does it make a space for those who suffer? So let's say you're a person who is all in on the healing uh, in the atonement and mm. speaking these scriptures over you, and or you know a minister who is operating in, in healing, like you said. Where where does that make? space for those who are are suffering and having a real difficult time getting rid of, of their suffering. Well, define suffering. What are you referring so to? So I I mean <coughs> I mean suffering in in sickness and not not let's remove remove persecution from the table. I'm talking about suffering from sickness from uh a terminal hand, not a terminal, but a lifelong handicap. Sure. Um, whether it's a withered hand or lame, obviously Jesus healed that guy. But right. um, something like that. <clears throat> I mean, we can look at the Bible and see all of all of these people were healed. I love John Wesley's answer for this, which I'll I'll mention in a minute, but uh. And and they're not they're not being healed, mm-hmm. uh, uh, like right now or maybe sometime earlier in history. Yeah. So, because <clears throat> because the the danger that I see in this is the temptation to put yourself above those who are suffering. Like I'm walking in this healing, mm-hmm. and then people who are experiencing suffering, well. They are, you know, not walking in this kind of faith, or what if that makes sense? So, so it kind of makes like two tiers of 
not holiness, but of um, high mindedness. High mindedness, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 Paul's point was that uh, in the Greco-Roman world, if you had a, if you had a, a disability, then your soul was deformed somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and that's what they said about the guy who was bo- born blind. The Pharisees even said, you, yeah. were, you were born completely in sins and you're preaching to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the disciples like, who, who yeah. sinned to, to cause this guy to be blind? And Jesus was like, you're thinking about this all wrong. Right. And, uh, and there was even a thought that uh, you could sin in the womb. <laughs> in in, in Jewish culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying in the Bible. I'm just uh-huh. saying like... So, <coughs> I mean... <clears throat> I, and I think Paul, I, I think Paul's, Paul talked about suffering at the end of Second Corinthians quite a bit. Yeah. But okay. So you said remove persecution. Mm-hmm. That's actually the only thing I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, but I, I do want to answer your point, though. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah. To, to people who truly are suffering. Um, Jesus is is there for the suffering, right? So are those who are suffering in long-term handicaps, is that a part of the atonement? Yeah, I do. I believe that. Okay, but Jesus also, when he went into every town, it says he was teaching, preaching, and healing. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is something we need to understand about that, and, and that's that I honestly think one of the biggest hindrances to healing is wrong thoughts and wrong teaching about God. People are, are, are too in a hurry to try to say, well, if you're not being healed, it's probably because you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you either don't have the faith or you're wallowing in unbelief or you have unrepented sin or you're walking in unforgiveness. And so that causes the person to just internalize, oh, what's wrong with me? That's not what God wants to do here. If the Holy Spirit wants to show you something, ask him to show you if there's anything. Other than that, don't, because you can drive yourself mad trying to analyze what's wrong, what's wrong with me, did I miss it here? That's not the place God wants you to be in. But Jesus had to teach and preach and then heal. Now, I'm not saying he couldn't heal before that, but there's something about teaching and preaching that stirs faith in people. Yeah. Okay, so it, it's when you do that, um, actually most of the most of the healing people that I've seen or been a part of or experienced, they go on this healing thing after they teach and preach because it's important for people to get in faith and understand God's will, and then um, and that's usually when you start to see healing. Now, someone like Kenneth Hagin Sr., he even said, even after preaching on it, sometimes it's hard to get through to people, and but usually only takes one. If one person can receive, suddenly everyone's faith goes through the roof because they're like, oh my gosh, it's here. Like, we can have this. And his point is like, you can always have this, but you're just now at a place where you're you're convinced so <clears throat> I guess when you're talking about suffering, um, I don't have a, a handicap and I don't have a you know lifelong debilitating disease or anything like that. But I'm still in the same place that everyone else is. I'm just I'm 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 at the place where I'm convincing myself of God's will for me. Mm-hmm. I see it in the Word. So I'm at a point where I'm sowing seed. I'm watering that seed. I'm throwing the sun on that seed. I'm meditating on it. I'm not there, but I have seen it to some mm-hmm. degree. I have prayed for people and seen healing, miraculous healing. I've been prayed for. I've seen that healing. So I know it's possible. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. 
I, I don't think it's good to to take someone like okay with a common cold or who has the flu, virus comes along, they get sick, and separate them once again, compartmentalize them and someone who is in a wheelchair. It, it's all not good. It's not the fullness of life that God wants for you, but like we have a part to play. So. What I would say to anyone, whether it's a cold or whether it's a terrible disease or, you know, wheelchair, whatever it may be, is meditate in the word. It's still the same. It's not like the person with a cold, all you need to do is this, and the person in the wheelchair, you need to do a lot more. No, it, we're, we all, it's all just uh, renew, re, mind renewal and understanding what is yours. If you don't know it's yours, you won't walk in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Same thing as if my dad was, was filthy rich and, and died and left everything to me. I'm sorry, I get cotton mouth. Left everything to me. <clears throat> I receive nothing unless someone tells me, hey, all of this is yours. Sign your name on the dotted line. But if he if he left a will and hid it somewhere, I'm going to live the rest of my life as a poor man. I'm not going to receive any of that. So this is what the word is. This These are keys to your lockbox of inheritance in heaven's bank. That sounded like a really pastor illustration. That was not <laughs> what I meant to... Come off as, but <clears throat> everything in the word is a key to understanding the kingdom. The kingdom has millions of keys, and every time you're in the word, you're just understanding these, uh, understanding these principles, and these are all keys. But you have to do it. You have to be in it to unlock this. But in terms of God's will and intentionality, I believe He wants to heal everyone. I believe Jesus illustrated that perfectly. You know, um, so <clears throat> going back to Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um, I think before, about a month ago, I didn't know what it was, and it, it not, doesn't concern me. Uh, the, the point is, is about grace, about how his grace is sufficient. We lean on his grace. But I recently heard someone say something that made me think um, different about it. And so the word that he uses for like thorn in the flesh, the phrase thorn in the flesh, um, I've heard, now this is just, I haven't done any deep research on this, but like it, one of the things that it means is blows, like referring to like demonic blows. Okay. So not, not, you know, obviously not an actual thorn. I don't think anyone believes that, mm-hmm. but, um, but we see, we don't have to read too far into Paul's life to know that he was physically beaten constantly. Yes. And he was shipwrecked uh-huh. and all of that. So this is what I'm referring to. It's a separate issue persecution mm-hmm. is not under the atonement that you will never suffer persecution for your faith. That's not a part of the atonement. Mm-hmm. He even said as much. If they hated me, they will hate you. If they beat me, they will beat you. And we see that in, in the book of Acts, the disciples and the apostles, man, they were treated so harshly. So we see that in, in other countries now, you know, the tremendous uh, persecution of the church. So he was saying that it's referring to blows, and he was saying, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Can you remove this person from me? Can you remove this constant persecution from me? And he said, no, but my grace is sufficient. You'll be able to handle this. Mm -hmm. You'll be able to walk through this, and I'll be with you. But this is not – because if healing is a part of the the atonement, and you're saying that, but God wouldn't heal this – then how do you know to trust God about anything? Okay. You know, mm-hmm. that's my that's my main thing. If I can't trust God for, for, if I can trust him for salvation, but I can't trust him for healing, 
then that looks like God's double-minded. He's saying, yes, I have provided healing for you on the cross of my son, Jesus Christ. If, if uh, <clears throat> was it in Romans where he says, um, if, he, if he did not spare, but gave his own son, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Oh, I love that scripture. He will freely give us all things. But then he says, no, I don't want you to have this. And no, I, I won't heal you here in this situation. I'm not going to pray to God for much. Because I'm going to be like, I don't know what mood God's in right now. And th- this seems like the way people see God. But if you see it as a fixed thing, his will is good. His plans are good. It's to heal, to bless, to prosper, absolutely. But we all have to understand, we have a part to play in that. And the devil is always going to resist that, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think about persecution. Um, can't speak too inte- intelligently about it because I live in America, you right. know. Yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. I'm not in or Africa or whatever. They're cutting off limbs. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, well. Any comments on that? Um, that's a good point. I, the, so the, the thorn in the flesh, the, the blows – whether they come from persecution. Um, I think it was in Acts 20-something where Paul said that the Holy Spirit revealed to me how much I'm going to suffer for uh, proclaiming the gospel. And it's really interesting that Paul experienced everything that he put people through. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Like he he was persecuting Christians, you know, up until... his conversion, and now for the, even though God took him out of bondage, uh, uh, to to sin and that that, and to, so that uh, he would serve uh, Christ, preach the gospel. Yeah. Paul also experienced everything that he put people through. So. Uh, yeah, I I'm sure he stoned people. Yeah, <clears throat> I know with Stephen, he was there, holding the coats, holding the coats, approving of it. Mm-hmm. And but I'm sure, he, I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure he did it as well. Mm-hmm. And another thing to think about too, and this is just a theory. I don't know if you've heard this one before, but um, when Paul was stoned, um, I can't remember what city it was, a very violent city, and they they stoned the heck out of him, and they drug him out of town. Yeah, and the disciples came over him and prayed, and he got up and walked back in. So the theory I've heard is that he's dead. He died there. You, uh-huh. you don't, they don't stone people to hurt him. To to, call yeah, him. right. They killed him and uh-huh. drug his dead body out of the town. And, and the apostles came over him and prayed for him. And he was raised from the dead. And he was like, all right, I'm going back in. <laughs> you I got know, work to do. That's, that's possible. I'm not saying that's doctrine, but it's mm-hmm. absolutely possible. I don't, I, that's what I see. You don't stone someone unless you're trying to kill them. Yeah. Um, my understanding of it, you know, mm-hmm. if someone says, oh, this proof that that's not true, fine. But the point is still the same. He suffered persecution everywhere he went. And part of me wonders if, um, if uh, I'm going to say this in a, in a mean way, but if he put some of that on himself, <laughs> that sounds mean however you say it, uh, because he was such a hothead. He would go into it. He would go into. He knew he was called to the Jews. Now I'm not saying Paul was wrong, but he knew he was called to the Gentiles. And everywhere he would go, he would go to the temple first. Yeah. He, he and like, why? You know, these people aren't receiving this, Paul. What are you doing? Uh, Leave them alone. Well, but like I said, I'm probably right. wrong. But no, I mean, it it, it did. What did he, I don't remember where it was. Uh, 
which one of his letters, but where he just, maybe it was Philippians, uh, where he just expresses like s- extreme anguish over the fact that his his brothers in the Jewish faith aren't accepting yeah. Christ. So, so I think like even if he was called to to the Gentiles to preach to the Gentiles, like he was going to do his darndest mm. to try and, and bring some of his, his Jewish brothers with him. In, yes. Into the oh, faith. man. And he had so, a love and a burden for his people. Uh, yeah. He even talked about, I wish I could cut myself off so that they would be connected to this. That's the one know. I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. So where that is. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't I don't remember what my my point was uh, about that, but uh, speaking to your, how you said he was he was hot-headed and and things like that. I think he just wanted to give it his best shot. And it, like it is it is frustrating when you're when you're this close when somebody is this close and they just are not going to take the extra step. Mm-hmm. Like my students are studying about Buddhism right now mm-hmm. and how Buddhism was sort of a reaction to Hinduism because H- Hinduism has the caste system. It's got the four levels of social structure um, and the lowest one is the servants and then the untouchables who aren't even in the class system. Mm-hmm. And so Buddhism was sort of a, a reaction to Hinduism to say, no, everyone can have experience a, a good life or, or experience happiness if they lead, lead a good life. Mm-hmm. And there are some things in B- Buddhism that are so close mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet that closeness is so far away right. from the gospel because right. again buddhism is about you have to ascend to get up there instead of god descending to you and in uh <laughs> that is really close to who who ascended on high but him who descended mm-hmm. yeah and so uh in, in in judaism i mean obviously they're the the people who started it all, right? Mm-hmm. God, God gave, made covenant with them first. And yet, when Christ came, they didn't recognize Christ as the Messiah. A lot of them didn't. Right. Some, <clears throat> a lot of them did, but there sure. were those, too many who didn't. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and, it, you know, and they're still so close, and yet, and still, so they're so far away. Yeah. So, Imagine how frustrating that is to just constantly interact, but have this deep burden for your people, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And um, so, yeah, that's what I gotta say about that. <coughs> I, I love the way you phrase that too, because sometimes you listen to people who are quote unquote spiritual, mm-hmm. and it's like everything that this person is saying is so good and so close, but I'm like. But that's everything. If it's not Christ, then it's nothing. Uh-huh. It's it's almost like a. Uh, I think Paul said in Timothy, where they have an appearance of godliness, but they're denying the whole power, and that's everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I, you certainly know a lot more about uh, you know world religions than I do. Um, 
I took a world religions class when I was at community college, but I was also high <laughs> all the time. So I don't know if anything got through. Um, anyway, a little bit of insight. It's <laughs> where I was in college. Anyway, um, yeah, how are we doing on time? We're we're over an hour and 45 minutes now. Because we're splitting them now, right? It's kind of – we're at the point where it's like we have long conversations and we'll split it and call it a two-parter and make it look like we're – I've probably got another nine minutes of me before I hit a wall. Okay. So. <laughs> you want to go for nine minutes? Yeah. Well, it'll be ten. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's funny. Uh, well, I'm trying to think. Okay, so j- how about just some other scriptures that are that are off the top of my head because mm-hmm. I'm – I didn't get to write down a lot of these. Um, John, Second John, beloved, I wish above all that you um, that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. You know. Um, now I've heard that debated about above all. Did he mean that that was the most important thing? That's not the point. The point is we're talking about intentionality again. You know. So John is saying, I wish that you be in good health. You know. You wouldn't think that would be a controversial uh, scripture, but. Uh-huh. It's another one of those things, like where you see God's will. Hey, I want you to be in good health. I want so, you to prosper. You're you're seeing this. You're seeing this as physical health, and I think a lot of people would say, and I, yeah, I've been guilty of being been one of the people of saying that the, it's just spiritual health. I wish that you were in good spiritual health, rather than just. Rather than both spiritual and physical, mm-hmm. because when we if we go back to Isaiah fifty four was it fifty three, you know where it says he's pierced for our transgressions, he took his iniquities upon us. Yeah, I see that in in the Hebrew, you know, it says uh, iniquities is, is sin. Mm-hmm. So, but on the other hand. I've learned enough to know that with the Bible, um, and especially with God, is that he's multifaceted. Yeah. So we we see things like like a diamond, you know, has facets, mm-hmm. and yet it's this it's more of a structure than just its individual facets. Right. Uh-huh. So we might see a couple of, of one or two facets. But then there's more mm-hmm. that make up the whole stru- structure. And I think the Bible is, is like that. And we see that, you're right, We in, in salvation, it's more than just, uh, I'm going to start preaching here. Go for it. it salvation is more than just um, saving our souls. Mm-hmm. No, it's also saving us from ourselves because... Uh, uh, yes, the Christ defeats uh, Jesus is the atonement, but through that, Jesus also, God also defeats evil. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have a, a penal substitution, and Christus Victor, I think, is the main point of the, <laughs> of the atonement. Mm-hmm. And so you, there's there's more than one thing going on. Right. All all of the time with God, it there there's a. I hate how you can't say anything anymore without it meaning somebody else. But there's a cosmic or uh, is the word cosmic? Yeah, they can't say the word <laughs> cosmic anymore because then you people link it to cosmic Christ, which is 
uh, her, supposedly heretical. I haven't looked into it. Okay. Everything's heretical now. But cosmic meaning in like uh, a, a scale that is also beyond uh, what we can see and touch. And, you know, it's everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. So salvation is yes for are so that we can be reconciled with, with God, but that reconciliation is manifested in multiple exactly. different ways. Exactly. And so it affects every part of your life, yeah. and it should. Uh-huh. It's almost like we were talking about about how uh, all of Paul's letters. The first part is about this is what God has done. The second part is this informs who you now are and in your very specific applicable conduct. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're saying, yeah, I'm, I've been made right with God, but you're still a jerk and you're still beating your kids or dishonest and you're covetous, mm-hmm. it's like, how does God not affect everything about you? That's the yeah. whole point. And that goes back to the uh, what you were saying about the compartmentalizing. Yeah. Like we, we keep compartmentalizing. So like the fire insurance thing that you brought up a, a few episodes ago. It's like the first one I was on, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, no, that's not what salvation right. is is about uh you're com- like then salvation is compartmentalized to like the smallest and weakest box uh, right. that it right. that it can, can right. be in like yeah. that's the puniest definition of, of salvation yeah um where where salvation absolutely the blood of christ just gets into should get into every flipping part of, mm. of your life yeah. All right. And and so that leads me into my other question mm-hmm. about uh this theology of healing. As you mentioned righteousness, mm-hmm. uh and I want to couple that with with holiness. Yeah. Um so it seems uh I'm not saying that this is my perspective, but uh I've heard critics say uh that you should concentrate on on holiness more and righteousness more. So, and you're talking about walking in healing, and so where does holiness and in, in righteousness fit fit into this uh, whole theology of uh, of healing that you're presenting? They're connected in 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 every way. And I was what was I going to say? They're not. It seems funny to separate them because it's like. It's a part of the atonement. Mm-hmm. So holiness is uh, sometimes people see it as like, oh, I need to be more holy. I need to live um, live more holy. But the truth is Jesus Christ has made you holy Yeah. Uh-huh. in your new nature. Your new nature was born in righteousness. Mm-hmm. So in your spirit, this is where you commune with God. And, and part of what the tearing of the, um, the veil... The veil that was torn in two was that like God is now not uh, limited to the holy of holies. God God can now live in your hearts, like Jeremiah thirty one thirty one says. Like in in uh, in in those in those days, this new covenant that I will establish, I will live in men's hearts. I will take away their heart of stone and I'll give them a heart of flesh. I will commune with them. Like one of my favorite scriptures, you know, where he says, uh, "Every man won't say, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest." You talk about the caste system totally different you know whether you're a great leader or a nobody mm-hmm. you know you can know god 
So I, I say all that because this is a part of the new covenant. The new covenant has everything to do with that. The only reason I can expect healing is because of the atonement, but that's also why I've been made righteous. You have to see maybe that first. Not that it's a, a one, two, three sort of a first thing. I, I just mean you have to be very grounded in the fact that you, when you're born again, you're born righteous. Mm-hmm. So God sees you righteous now. This is where he communes with you. Now, you still have to renew your mind. You still have a soul, a will, like we're talking about. Bring your will into alignment. Paul says, I, I die daily. I have to crucify my flesh. So you still have a, a not a sin nature, but flesh that, that wants to wants to yeah. go nuts, mm-hmm. absolutely nuts. And you, So there are things you have to do, but... Um, yeah, we should pursue holiness, but but it's from the place that you've been made holy. And really, I think that's important. I think it's very, very important, but I don't know that I can separate them because it, it's all related. It's like saying, well, you should talk about peace. Like, well, I have peace with God and I need to have peace in my life. Yeah, we can talk about mm-hmm. uh, don't be anxious about anything, but present your request. But we have all of this through the atonement. It all comes back to why do I have the ability to live holy? Why do I have the ability to be healed? Why do I have the ability to have joy when things are chaotic? Why do I have the ability to be strong when I should be feeling very afraid? It's because of the atonement. It's because I have Christ. It's living from the place of uh, spirituality, from from your spirit rather than from your five senses, from your carnal self. Um, so yeah, well, we can certainly talk about holiness in one of the episodes and all that, but it's from the place that we have been made holy. Mm-hmm. You know, He has become sin so that we might live to righteousness. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Mm-hmm. When? As soon as we're born again. Right. Not in the heaven. Uh-huh. So uh, others might not, not agree <laughs> with me, but I think that this is what you're presenting now is much more than a surface level knowledge of uh, of uh, the healing movement that most people have mm-hmm. um and there's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna critique it because i i agree with a, a lot of what you said it's just that i want people to understand the uh, fullness, like you said in, in the very beginning, the fullness of of what God has mm-hmm. uh, for us. And, you know, I don't know what I, I'm hitting the wall. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's just that, uh, you know, I, I can't, uh, I, I can't say that I, I feel like a, a, a deist when I say that God saves you and uh, you have union with God, but nothing else happens mm-hmm. in, in your life. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I think the issue issues come from, yeah, maybe sometimes people are con- fo- focusing on one, one part of the, uh, 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 life with God uh, rather than um, talking about all of them because you said that they're all interconnected. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people lose sight of, of, of holding them all together all of the time. Yeah. You know, 
And that's where misunderstandings come into play. And both both sides are, are guilty of, of whatever. And so that's why I think that we all always need to be um, examining it. Yeah. In, in our in ourselves. Yeah. Too. And, and but only doing that through asking for God's guidance in prayer, I think. Asking, seeking, and knocking. Yeah. Absolutely. It's intentionality. Mm-hmm. And and you, you bring up a good point that um, <clears throat> I do see this with um, several believers that I've come across where it's like they, they really do see it as like two separate things. Yes, you're born again. Yes, you're going to heaven. But, you know, you're like, that's it. Like, and I was like, wait, so the blood of Jesus was good enough to wipe away sin, but not the effects of sin. Mm-hmm. So sin is still going to, but you know, Paul even said, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Going back to our part, you know, what's our part? Well, you have a responsibility. And how about this too? Here's something that's really simple. You have a responsibility to eat right. <laughs> you okay, know, yeah. you have a responsibility to exercise. You need to take care of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to practice self-control, okay, wow, that, that's all kind of related. Once again, just the idea that like you have all of these things. Because I'm born again, I have healing and all, all of that. I also have the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. You know, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And from the Spirit produces many different fruit. And, uh, but not every, not every Christian practices self-control, mm-hmm. you know. Not every Christian walks it, but once again, we want to compartmentalize. All right, now it's time to practice self-control. Well, you may have to do the same thing with joy, but I don't feel right. I feel depressed. Well, don't let that dictate what the word says. You have joy. You might have to stir that up a little bit. Pull out your joy scriptures, you know. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you have responsibility to take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean that you have, God gives you agency. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, Erin, uh, my wife, has told me this story about how she her fingers used to get infected all the time. And uh, so she would always go up to the healing line and pray for it. And one time the person uh, who knew her, uh, she said, I'm ha- I have infection in my fingers. And he said, I'm not going to pray for you anymore. And, and she was like, why? And she's like, you need to stop biting your fingernails so low that they're getting infected all the time. This has nothing to do with God. <laughs> <clears throat> healing or not wanting to heal you. Like, you got to stop doing that, you know? Or someone who's uh, who eats absolutely terrible, has issues with their knees. Like, I need God to heal my knees. Fine, but you need to practice self-control so that God doesn't need to constantly heal you all the time. I'm not trying to make light of, of anyone's suffering, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we have a part to play in this, you know? I'm 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 someone who is who is fit, who is healthy. Dude, I have to practice self-control because I have really good metabolism. And I'm not trying to say that to make anyone mad at me, but like I I can truly eat whatever the heck I want. But that's I'm not going to live forever. That's not good. That's not good for me. So I work out even though I'm in landscaping. I still I still run, I still do push-ups, I still do stuff. I still eat a ton of veggies and I've limited my sweets. I have to practice self-control. Mm-hmm. I do. Because even though I might, like, appear good, if I'm eating trash, my heart is not good. My organs are not good. You, you can't just say, well, I'm blessed with good metabolism, so therefore I don't have to use the fruit of the Spirit. No, you do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a part of it too. Um, being out exercising, get in the sun. Sound like Joe Rogan right now, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes it's takes somebody giving you a word of wisdom to to knock some sense into you. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so one, once again, that has to do with healing and yeah, all that. Right. Are you at the wall? I'm at the wall. At Pink Floyd, we're at the wall. <laughs> right. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna call in a night here um, before my vision gets blurry. <laughs> and we. This is, this is why you need to drink coffee late at night, man. Because I could go another hour. Be the caffeine will. <laughs> Here's the thing. Caffeine doesn't necessarily energize me. Mm-hmm. It just prevents me from sleeping. Sure. Makes my mind keep yeah. going and going. Oh, there we go. Talking about self-control again. Mm-hmm. I have actually started drinking less coffee. Mm-hmm. I just had the, a conviction in my heart that was like, you are drinking way too much in the morning and way too much in the evening. Yeah. Take it easy. And I have stuck with it this time. So That's great. That's good but, news. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. We're, we're going to call in a night and... Uh, you God bless you guys. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon. Yep.